People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. Rodney Trudgeon here on Fine Music Radio welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. Now listen to this for a title of a ballet, The Gold Rhino of Mapungubwe, a ballet presented by Imzanzi Ballet and which is set to grace the Baxter Theatre stage here in Cape Town from the 7th to the 17th of February after apparently a hugely successful premiere at the South African State Theatre in Pretoria last year that garnered rave reviews across the board. The Gold Rhino of Mapungubwe Ballet was commissioned by the South African International Ballet Competition and is described here as a visual masterpiece with stunning costumes by David Klale and a set by the well-known designer Andrew Boerter. And Mzanzi Ballet comprises both South African and international dancers, with innovative choreography by the talented Angela Reevy and input by Mdu Nshlapo. This dynamic work is a wonderful fusion of classical and Afro-ballet and contemporary dance enhanced by poetic narration. It also has an exciting score composed by Vota Kellerman. But we'll get to all that in a moment because my guest is in fact the artistic director of the Mzanzi Ballet School, Angela Reevy, and as you heard, also a choreographer here. Angela, welcome to Fine Music Radio to Cape Town. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. You admitted shyly just before you came into the studio that you don't know Cape Town very well because you're a Johannesburger through and through, aren't you? Exactly, I have. I've been here a few times, but mostly living in the theatres when I come here. <laughs> I don't get to get out much. But you did have a bash at climbing the mountain. We did. The last time we were here with the company, we climbed up Table Mountain. It was tough hard work our boys our ballet boys are super fit and they decided they were going to run to the top and us girls had to <laughs> run after them <laughs> did they really run to the top they, uh, they really ran it was it was tougher than the actual ballet itself we were doing <laughs> but as you say male ballet dancers and female ballet dancers have to be incredibly fit don't they exactly we do we have to be at our peak all the time but you're also feeling a bit of the heat in Cape Town at the moment literally I mean with our almost a heat wave that we're having. Yes, very, very hot, but I must say I'm a summer lover, so... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And this ballet, uh, let me see if I can get that name right, the Gold Rhino of Mapungubwe. That's it. Is that right? Tell me a bit about it. Where does it come from? So, it's an actual story. It is a real historical place, Mapungubwe, where this gold rhino was discovered... A thousand years ago, way back when, I mean, these um, men went to discover who knows what. They went on a bit of a journey, an adventurous journey, and they came across this hill of uh, Mapungubwe where they started digging up these golden artifacts. And you mean real gold? Real gold. So in Mapungubwe, in the village, they actually, back then, they were able... They were able to use tools and things to cover wooden sculptures they had made or wooden carved out wooden animals and they covered them in gold and they traded with other countries and it was a very 
um, advanced society that like nobody knew about. So, and when was this? Did you say about a thousand years oh, ago? A thousand years yes. Ago. Okay. So it was. It became this historical site, obviously, for all of these um, things they discovered, because nobody thought that. Africa was doing stuff like that, you know, that that long ago. So it became obviously this amazing story um, that they've obviously been researching for years. So when Dirk discovered... This is Dirk Bardenhorst. Yes, Dirk yeah. Bardenhorst. When somebody told him about um, the gold rhino, immediately in his mind he thought, this is it, this is the ballet I've been looking for, this is uh, the African story we can tell and, um, yeah, he told me about the idea about three or four years ago. And I just snatched it, it up. Hook you as well? It hooked me the first time he said it. Okay. And where, may I ask, is Mapungubwe? Oh, gosh. Is it, a, is it a real place? Or it must have been a real place. It at is some a stage. real place, but I cannot tell you where it is. Now. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. We have traveled there. I'd have to look up. But we actually. We went and visited it. We we did a lot of uh, research to do the ballet. Obviously, we had to. We wanted to be as authentic as possible. We wanted to tell the story as truly as possible and really get the historical facts across as well. Um, so we did travel there. We saw the site. Um, we learned a lot about it. We spoke to the people that lived there. Uh, they, it was very interesting because they told us all of these stories and that had come down through the generations. Exactly. Oh. So we used a lot of that um, knowledge from these people that have been living there through the generations to put into our ballet. Um, so that was very exciting and very interesting. I've never had the opportunity to discover a story like this and tell it through a ballet. It was it was very exciting. Almost like an archaeologist. Exactly. Around. Exactly. So it was it was lovely to go there and be inspired by the actual people, by the actual place. We obviously went and visited the actual gold rhino in Pretoria in the Javit Museum there. So that was also lovely. So we've been speaking to historians and people, anybody we could find that knew anything about Mapungubwe. So it was so lovely just to find little things that they could tell us about to inspire me to create the ballet and to make it more interesting and as authentic as we could get it. And this little town, Mpungubwe, it's still there, obviously, because you went there, and the people and all that are... Yes, so Mapungubwe is still there. You can go visit it. It's a World Heritage Site now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they take you on a lovely tour. You have to do a bit of a hike, obviously, to get up the mountain. And it's very interesting because they say it's one of the first um, civilizations where they found the separation in society, where the... Um, People living up at the top of the mountain were obviously royalty or, you know, whoever ran this, this village. And then you had the people at the bottom, you know. My so that was it was very interesting. It's quite a hike to get up. But once you're up there, it's so beautiful. And, you know, a lot of people say they can feel this. Um, you know, the mystery of it because a lot of the, well, the people were buried up um, on the mountain. On the yeah. So you get... You get a little bit of a, a tingle or this sense of, 
you know, you feel the, <laughs> a presence. <laughs> the presence of the people that were buried there. It's very, very beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. Angela, now we're going to take a music choice. I'm going to ask you how you put the ballet together, having done all this research. And I see you've chosen something famous, which we <laughs> certainly don't hear on Fine Music Radio very often. Michael Jackson and one of his most famous songs, Thriller. Why did you fling that in? So it's quite a funny story. As a child, my mom always... Uh, tells me, reminds me, um, it, this song came out obviously from Michael Jackson Thriller and she had to spend weeks walking the streets trying to find uh, the video of this thriller because I was absolutely obsessed with it when I was a child. <laughs> I played it until that thing was broken and I just couldn't keep my eyes off it. I think that was the first time I was really inspired by music and art and dance and everything. I mean, Michael Jackson, how can you can't really go wrong, can you? Well, exactly.
on Fine Music Radio <laughs> of Michael Jackson and his famous song Thriller. And it was the first choice of Angela Reevy, who's with me in the studio today, talking about a new ballet called The Gold Rhino of Makum Gubwe, um, a ballet put on by the Mzanzi Ballet Company, and which is going to be running here in Cape Town from the 7th to the 17th of February at the Baxter. And Angela is also, well, she's a choreographer and also the artistic director of the Mzanzi Ballet School. Let's just go back to how this came together. So there you were, you and Dirk, wandering around the bushes and the mountains <laughs> in uh, Mapungubwe. And you have had all this time in your mind a ballet. So the next questions are, what did you do about, how did you put it together? How did you choreograph it? So uh, there were a few of us that went on that trip at that time, and we spent those few days there every day, obviously exploring and talking to the people. But when we came back to where we were staying, we would really uh, break down what we wanted from the ballet. So that's where we started creating um, not really the storyline, because we had a bit of a storyline to to go with. But then obviously you put your bit of your theatrical side on it and we had to look at breaking it down, obviously in a ballet sense as well, you know, what dance is coming next and what is the name of it? What is the purpose of it? How are we going to get across the history? How are we going to tell the story properly? But how are we also going to entertain the people? So we did a lot, a lot, a lot of talking, throwing ideas out, mind maps. It was really just any idea anybody had, we threw it out there and we tried to create um, something beautiful, which we did in the end. I'm very proud of it. But that the process was actually amazing. So yes, it would take a long time. That mind mapping and very sitting long. in a room, I presume, around a table, very very long. Ideas around. Like I said, before the ballet was created, I think it was a solid three years. Wow! Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we we had a lot of drafts of stories. We would put a story together, and then we would take it to a historian and say, would this actually have happened, or is it authentic to where we are, you know? We have, for instance, an apple dance in, in the show, which is 
basically for entertainment. It's one of our diverts in our second act. But um, we had to go find out were there actually apples in Mapungubwe? Would that be something that they would have and that they would have to go out and the women would have to, you know, pick from the trees? Or So there were small things like that that we really looked into to make sure that we weren't just throwing something on the stage that would never have been back then or that, you know, doesn't mm. make sense mm. to the actual place and the people that live there. But then it says here how it's a fusion of classical, Afro-ballet and contemporary dance. So how did you decide what to use? So it's not a ballet in the classical sense, yet there is a sense of classical ballet, as it says here. So, yes, that came much, much later after we got a storyline that changed many, many times, I must say, we had to look at music after that and talking to our composers and even costuming before we even got to the choreographical parts of it. I must say that really came came in last. Obviously, I was inspired when I was there. I learned um, a lot of their traditional dances while I was in Mapungubwe, which was a lot of fun as well. So that gave me a lot of inspiration um, to what I did in the ballet. But I must say, I I love fusing a lot of different styles in everything I choreograph. You can't really put put one name to it. Um, and I love experimenting and exploring with the dancers and seeing what they're bodies can do and what they can create and you know what's what sense it gives you so we do a lot of play in the studio and uh, trying different things and with the dancers with the dancers I love working with the dancers mm. um I find it it gives a better sense of authenticity and um it makes them feel more comfortable because they're doing what their bodies are best at and most of the time uh, I push them to their limits. <laughs> <laughs> Typical <laughs> ballet Exactly. They always, uh, <laughs> whenever I come to them, I say to them, okay, I have this thought in my head. And the dancers say to me, oh, no, here we go. Here we go again. What are You've you going to make us do? Yeah. Exactly. So I really love doing that. So what we've come up with is this great fusion of African and contemporary and classical. We still have our beautiful classical, neoclassical pas de deux and uh, pas de sunk in the ballet as well. So it really speaks to a wide audience, I think. The From a choreographical sense, it's, it's very beautiful and very interesting to watch. We have our tricksters in the ballet as well that bring you, you know, all the incredible jumps and spins and turns that you think are not possible. <laughs> Until you see it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so we have that Elements, Like I said, we have the classical ballet part of it. We have our beautiful ballerinas that are just flowing across the stage. How did you costume it? Does it look African or what does it look like? So, I mean, David Tlali did an amazing job. We we knew he would, you know. The name is, it's not just a name. His work is great. It's honestly wonderful. We couldn't have chosen a better person. And even in that sense, everything we did... We wanted to find somebody that knew Africa, that understood, and that also, you know, could relate to the ballet. So he also came on very early in the project, um, and we also spoke to him and 
gave him our ideas and he gave us his and so it was a lot of talking and he just brings the ballet to life I mean the the princess looks absolutely gorgeous and you can see she's a princess from the moment she steps onto stage and it's also like I said he's he's kept that African feel to the ballet but it's not so you know sometimes I know exactly what you mean. They can overdo it. Yes, you're trying too hard. Yes, you're trying too hard. Exactly. David just knocked the nail on the head. He's he's really made the dancers look spectacular. And he brings out, we we always say to him, we want the stage to have this golden sense. You know, it's it's the Mm -hmm. gold run of Mapungub. We We want it to feel grand, even though it was set such a long time ago, you know. But we really want it to feel that golden, beautiful, powerful, um, vibrant So what society. does the set look like? So the set came from Andrew Boerter, and he as well, I must say, he's done a spectacular job. There's projection at the back, so we have live video where you have movement while the dancers are dancing, you know, so it really, I said, draws you into the stage you feel like mm-hmm. you're there in the village with the people you know there's birds flying across the back and he's um he took an actual heel of Mapungub wear and it's on stage so also that it wasn't just um completely imaginary he also had to do a lot of research and um get videos and footage of what the actual hill itself looks like and the landscape and the beautiful baobab trees. Oh, really? Yes, Even it's, those? it's just gorgeous. I say every element of the ballet, if you just watch his projection, the video at the back, you would be entertained. <laughs> you know, if you just saw people running, of walking across the stage like a runway in the costumes, you would be entertained. If you sat there with your eyes closed and listened to the music, you would be entertained. We've really... Br- brought every element together but every element in itself is spectacular my goodness you're doing a good sales job there, Angela. <laughs> it's, it's easy when it's true <laughs> yeah true that exactly is true. and when you're so enthusiastic about it and you believe in it that's exactly the other thing. and that you've worked in it right from scratch along comes elvis presley what is this all about <laughs> I've always been a fan of Elvis Presley. It's probably come from my mother as well. That was my mother's time. Um, and she always also let us listen to all this old music and the classics and, you know, watch the old musicals and all of that kind of stuff. So I must say it's probably come from her as well. But again, it's another person. How can you not love Elvis? Do you know what I mean? He just steals your heart. And that voice. <laughs> exactly. Wise men say Only fools rush in But I can't help Falling in love with you
to the sea Darling, so it goes Some things are meant to be Take my hand Take my whole life too For That lovely song, I have to say, Angela, that lovely song, Elvis Presley, Can't Help Falling in Love. Angela Reevy is my guest on People of Note this week. She's the artistic director of the Mzanzi Ballet School, but also the choreographer of the Gold Rhino of Mapungubwe, which is being presented by the Mzanzi Ballet from the 7th to the 17th of February. And as you heard, it sounds completely fascinating what you've done so far, but you can imagine... Angela, that I'm dying to hear about the music. Because as we know, ballet is all about music. And I see a list here. It says, the stirring score combines the work of a group of prolific artists and includes three compositions by the double award-winning, Grammy award-winning flautist, producer and composer Vota Kellerman, and other dedicated music by musical arranger and director Mark Shane, co-composers S.J. Klauser, Dr. Cara Stacey, Matisse van Dijk, as well as indigenous music specialist in Paul Moller-King. That's quite a combination of styles and sounds, isn't it? It is. So how did the score come together? Did they not have arguments? <laughs> or how did it all come together? I must say, there were no arguments or anything. It was it was a beautiful process. Um, it's the first time I've ever done a ballet where we've created the music for the ballet. So that was very interesting from my side. I must say, I really loved that journey. Um, how did you do it? I mean, did you present them with the story or how did you do yes. it? Yes. So we had to create the story first, obviously, and um, go to them with it. We got a few of the tracks, um, like you had said, from Vota. So those were already composed. He he has those already. Um, so those were some of the first dances that we um, choreographed and played with before the ballet came together. We kind of um, 
tried them in different settings. We performed one of the pas de deux at, the, at uh, Dirk's SAIBC here in Cape Town before the ballet was created. So I got a chance to explore a little bit choreographically and musically. And um, so, yes, our tracks came from Vota. That was, I mean, that was absolutely amazing, obviously, to work with him and to also see how he plays and I mean, the instruments he used, they don't even look like flutes. No, he's got that huge (laughs) bass flute. I remember I did him on People of Note and he came and brought them in. Exactly. This huge one that you have to stand on the floor. Yes, so he actually used that on stage with us. Um, He performed with us when we had our premiere. That was super exciting and it's just, it's great for us to be able to work with people like that in the industry as well. You know, it just brings a a different aspect mm, to the absolutely. ballet as well. Um, so it was super to have him there. And then obviously all of our other composers. We we have, like you said, Mark and um, Cara and Matthias, uh, yes, who are all spectacular in themselves. We, When we were talking about the ballet and creating the music, um, we obviously, like I said before, we had our ballet structure and we wanted classical music, but we're creating an African ballet. So we mm. have to bring in those indigenous instruments. Um, and like I said, Mpo and Kara are very, that's their field, you know. So they brought a lot of um, information and history behind all of those. So what we actually started with what that was very interesting before we even created tracks, we decided what instrument would represent each character. So that was lovely. So Mpo played um, all his different indigenous instruments for us and gave us um, a background on it. And so when we heard all of these interesting different sounds, we linked those to the different characters in our ballet first um, so that they have, you know, a sound that's represents them, that describes them. Before we even tell you a story, when you hear this instrument, you know, it automatically gives you a feeling of who the person is. Absolutely, as music does so well, as it does in a great classical ballet. Exactly. So that was super fun um, to be able to do that. And then we obviously started, um, Mark and Matej started doing the composing of the music. Matej composed the that we have um, with Mpo and Kara. Um, that was one of the first tracks that we had created. Um, and then from there, Mark just brought everything else together and composed everything else. I mean, I sat with him while we all did for, for hours and hours, obviously talking about the ballet and giving him the historical story and telling him where we wanted to go with it. And he was so good at breaking down the scenes. And I mean, for me as a choreographer, I, I speak a different language, you know, to, to him as a as composer a and yes, a musician. Yeah, yes. So, um, I'm so I'm sure it was difficult for him to understand me, but actually not because I would say to him, I want something mysterious or something heart-wrenching or something that you know gives me goosebumps I mean what what does that even mean when you're trying to create music but he also he just completely understood 
what I was saying and what the story was. And he, his music tells the ballet before the dancers even get there and try to express and tell you what's happening through their bodies. He's, he's very good at, um, I would say, touching your heart and your soul with the music before anything else. I mean, I was so inspired. After he sent me the tracks, I, I would just say to him, wow, Mark, look, <laughs> I don't, I don't even, do I need to even do anything. The dancers can just stand there. The story's, the story's being told. Yes, he's very good telling you yeah. what's going to happen. So you got the music, the tracks and all that, and then you had to set about choreography. Uh, yes. The, the choreography and making sure that the dancers, A, understood you and B, agreed with you and could do what you were asking them to do. Exactly. And even during that process, um, I would choreograph something to a track he's just done and then he would come in and watch it. And then he would say to me, you know, I was with my music, I was going more for a back and forth kind of conversation. So, for instance, there's the one scene where Van Gran and his friends are first presented on the stage and um, we're trying to show you that they this adventurous uh, young group of boys, you know, that are going to look for who knows what's up on the mountain. But um, when he composed the music, he really said he did something that was a conversation from, from Van Gran. And the next piece was um, the response from the friend. And that's what his music was telling. Um, and he would say to me, like, I love your choreography, but I would love to see the conversation portrayed more in that way. So I love that that feedback and that um, the teamwork that we mm, all had course. together. I, I really enjoyed that process. And it was also great if um, I was choreographing, for instance, our spirit scene we have up on the mountain. The, the spirits, obviously, when they're digging up the grave, the spirits get um, enraged and obviously disturbed and... They, they come out of the hill and start running around crazy on stage. And I really enjoyed choreographing that scene. So I went back to Mark and I said, please, I want more. I want it to be extended. <laughs> I want a little bit. That particular scene. Yes, more yeah, drama, yeah. more, you know, um, more mystery and something uh, crashing in the middle. And so that was super fun to go back to him and say, could you add this in there or do that? Mm. Um, so it was it was really a great As scene. you say, really collaborative. Yes, absolutely. Well, why don't we listen now to one of the pieces that has been composed for the show? Apparently, you'll know more about this than me, uh, Angela, but it's The Arrival of the King, and the song is called, I'm going to have a bash at this, <laughs> Du Sonze Ra in der Berlitzer. Yes, so that is one of the scenes in the second act where our king first arrives on stage and we actually have which we haven't mentioned surprisingly we have a choir on stage as well oh my yes so this track That's is a novelty from, for a ballet exactly <laughs> this track is from SJ Corsa and so the choir get to sing and we do this whole procession around the stage obviously with the king um, announcing him into the village and onto stage it's really quite a a beautiful scene and I think it shows what I wanted to show is more that he was a father to the village um, which I think is quite beautiful um, yes yeah, so we have this full choir 
singing him on the stage. And we have a lot of tracks actually throughout the ballet where the choir are, are singing. It's really, really beautiful. Original music composed for the ballet, The Gold Rhino of Mapungubwe, and that's the arrival of the king, and it's called Dzunze Ra Indabezetita. <laughs> and it was a choice of my guest, who's the choreographer of the ballet, Angela Rivi. Um, as I said, it opens on the 7th of February, and sounds completely fascinating, because as you said, Angela, you've also got a choir on stage, you've got wonderful production scenes by Andrew Butter. So... I just want to pause for a moment. We'll come back to that, but we're near the end of the program. And I want to find out more about you because you are the artistic director of the Mzanzi Ballet School. 
But you've obviously had a career as a dancer. Yes. So um, I would say my dancing career started out when I was a child. I was, first of all, a gymnast. So that's where I got all of my strength and discipline, I would say. But I, my mother took me to my first ballet when I was about 11 or 12. And we went to go watch Swan Lake. And it just captured my heart. I knew in that instance that's what I wanted to do and that's what I had to do. And that's when I made the shift. She took me to my first ballet class when I was about 12. So it was quite quite late on for mm. a ballet dancer. Mm. But um, I suppose I had a good foundation from the gymnastics. And it just went from there. I've had an amazing ballet career, worked with a few different companies, able to travel abroad a few times as well and dance overseas with different people. Um, so I must say it's been just spectacular. And now I've made the shift over, well, I'm still dancing, but I'm more teaching now, which I must say I probably even love more than I did dancing, which I never thought was was possible. And also choreographing and creating these wonderful ballets. So I must say I absolutely love it. Well, we're not going to go into your age, but you are sort of, I think, in about your mid-30s. But um, <laughs> you said also just before we came to the studio how, in a sense, it's a cruel world, isn't it? Because by that age, you pretty well have to stop dancing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the body limits you. Mm. Uh, you know, you're the, the, uh, the spirit may be there, but the exactly. body... Exactly. The spirit and your mind is <laughs> willing to go all the way, but the body is saying, hang on, this mm. is not happening anymore. But... Um, the shift over was quite um, easy for me because my favorite part about being a dancer was that uh, connection I made with my coach in the studio um, and that kind of one-on-one -on -one training and feedback I would get from them. So I'd say I, I get the same sense now that I'm on the other side of the studio. I might not be dancing. In but the spotlight, co Exactly, yeah. coaching the dancers and training the students. I get the same... Um, feeling, you know, that I had from when I was on stage, seeing them do what I want them to do and creating something and choreographing and being able to see it on stage. It's Well, yeah. that, of course, as you now just made me think, is, the v is very, very creative, isn't it? If you're dancing, you're being choreographed by somebody yes. and doing what they want you to do. Now you are being the creator of a complete ballet. Exactly, and... It's something I've been interested in my whole life. When I look back now, I actually realize more how much I was always choreographing within my own little studios. <laughs> really? And yes, and for yeah. different Aesthetics and concerts and things we did at school, I've always been choreographing and I didn't realize how much it was a part of me from, from a child. You know, mm. even as I told you before, going all the way back to Michael Jackson, watching Thriller. There I was dancing to it, trying my own moves, doing things. So <laughs> exactly, I must say being being a choreographer has always just been a part of me. But it's a ballet family, isn't it? Because we d I discovered by accident that you are Angela Reevy and you're married to Mike Reevy, who's also a ballet dancer. And years ago, when I was still in Johannesburg, Mike Reevy and I became quite good friends. And he was a superb dancer. Uh, what is he? Uh, so... You've married into ballet. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, obviously, Michael is a spectacular dancer. He's also um, going out of it now and teaching more. And we have three beautiful 
little boys. So Anyone I, heading to the ballet yet? I haven't introduced <laughs> any of them to the ballet. Um, a lot of people ask me. They dance around at home and um, they love music as well and musicals and all of that kind of thing. How can they not, you know? Mm, of course. But um, I haven't forced them into the world of ballet. But I must say we'll we'll see what happens if any of them venture that route or mm-hmm. anything towards it. Right. Okay, well, we have to end it there, Angela. But thank you for talking about the gold rhino of Mapungubwe wetting our appetite so dramatically. And a reminder of the dates that's being put on by Mzanzi Ballet at the Baxter Theatre. And it's from the 7th to the 17th of February. And by all accounts, you had a spectacular run in Johannesburg at the State Theatre or in Pretoria. And is that true? Is that what happened? Yes, it was absolutely a wonderful opening premiere. All the feedback we got was really great. You know, we were all quite quite nervous. It's of the course. first time this has ever been done where we've put um, ballet and orchestra and choir on stage. And we had young members from our junior company and from our school on stage as well. They brought a lovely uh, raw youthfulness to the ballet as well. Um, we had people from abroad, so we had to get them into the company and um, wow. mold them into with our dancers. So we were all quite nervous. And also an African these. theme, which exactly. is so unusual for ballet. Exactly, and trying to stay as authentic as possible. Absolutely, so. absolutely. I'm sure Cape Town is going to come in their droves to support you at the Baxter Theatre. So I was talking to Angela Reevy, and Angela, before you go, you mentioned Swan Lake, and you've chosen... Uh, the main theme, I suppose you could call it, from Swan Lake is your um, goodbye music. And it was possibly the theme, wasn't it, that you sat and looked and listened and thought, this is it. Exactly. That was really the beginning of my journey into this world. And, um, yeah, I couldn't be more happy that, <laughs> that I was there that day. Angela, it's been lovely talking to you and best of luck with the run in Cape Town. Thank you so much, Rodney.
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions.